0: heart like jesus by his presence all divine true and tender pure and precious oh how sweet to call him mine all that thrills my soul is to me and the fairest of ten thousand in my blessed Lord I see love of Christ so freely given grace of God beyond degree higher than the heaven, deeper than the deepest sea. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. Yeah. In Him I see, on His strength divine rely. And the fairest of 10,000, in my blessed Lord I see. Amen. Amen. amen.
1: Well, I am proud to introduce you once again, Dr. Scott Caudle. Get your Bibles ready, get your pens ready, and take some good, good notes, all right? There'll be a quiz after the service. (laughs) <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Amen. Brother, you're Thank you, preacher. What a blessing to be here. Well, turn in your Bible, if you would please, to the Gospel of John, chapter number 6. The Gospel of John, chapter number 6. And in just a few moments, I'm going to the first 13 verses that go to make up this, the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. Brother Bridges, thank you so much for the warm welcome. This morning, Cassie and I are absolutely thrilled to be here. We're not only so appreciative for your friendship and the warm welcome, but a few years ago, you allowed us to become a part of your missions family. Here at the Calvary Baptist Church and we are so appreciative for your prayers and your faithful support. We're so very grateful for your partnership in the ministry. Rest assured we could not do what God has called us to do without pastors like Brother Steve Pope and without churches like Calvary Baptist of Union Grove, North Carolina. Brother, thank you for the wonderful song. You just can't improve upon those old hymns of the faith. And I'm thankful I can say along with the songwriter, all my joy is Jesus. I love that song and I love being here in the house of the Lord <laughs> this morning. Now on the way out today, please drop by our table and pick up Macedonia's latest Focus on the Field magazine. These magazines are absolutely free of charge and they will allow you to become somewhat more acquainted with our 130 church planting families around the world. Again, Miss Cassie will help you with these after the service. Please stop by our table and pick up one on the way out. Have you found your place in John chapter 6? If so, would you please stand as we read the Word of God together. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you church for the wonderful place to stay last evening and tonight and it's, so, it's such a blessing. We're so appreciative for all that you've done to make our stay here so comfortable and so welcoming. We're certainly glad to be here today. John chapter number 6 and verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed Him, because they saw His miracles, which He did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there He sat with His disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. And when Jesus then lifted up His eyes... And saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here. "...which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many?" And Jesus said, "...make the men sit down." Now, there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when He had given thanks, He distributed to the disciples... And the disciples to them that were sat down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. With the help of the Lord this morning, I felt impressed of the Lord to preach on this thought, the mission's message in the meal for the multitude. Now I want to encourage you to leave your Bibles open as all few points of my message will be taken directly from the text that I've just been blessed to read within your hearing. Let's bow our heads together, shall we, for a moment of prayer. Father, we want to thank you yet again this morning for your inspired, inerrant, infallible Word. Lord, we would all be very, very wise from the pulpit to the last pew in this building this morning to not only hear it, but to heed it that we may be more like thee. We do want to pray for Pastor and Mrs. Pope while they're away. I pray that you would use them today there in California to be a blessing and a help to Brother Zach and his family and his church family. But Lord, for a few moments right here, would you knit our hearts together around the truths of thy word? And We'll give you glory and honor. Lord, I'm nothing without you. Help me, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I have no doubt in my mind that each of you are at least familiar with the story that I've just been blessed to read within your hearing. However, I can assure you, ladies and gentlemen, we should never allow our familiarity with this portion of the Bible to cause us to lose the awe of its missions message. I submit to you there is a missions message in the meal for the multitude. I believe with all of my heart there is something here the Lord would have both you and I to see. And therefore it goes without saying, there is most definitely something here you and I need to see, especially as the text applies to reaching the world with the gospel. Now evidently the Lord wanted us to be aware of the truths found here in this chapter because other than His bodily resurrection, this is the only mighty miracle that has been recorded for us in each of the four Gospels. In fact, the feeding of the 5,000 besides women and children is actually the fourth of seven miracles performed by the Lord that have been recorded for us here in the Gospel of John alone. I've always found it interesting, in his previous miracles, Jesus demonstrated his power, his purpose, as well as his position. But now, through this miraculous meal, Jesus declares his personal identity as the one and the only Savior of the world. As you study the Word of God, you'll discover this miracle actually provides the context of the first of the great I am statements of our Lord in the Gospel of John. For instance, in John chapter 15, do you remember what Jesus said there? Jesus said, I am the true vine. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And therefore, since I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. In John chapter number 10, Jesus not only declared, I am the door of the sheep, but he actually went as far as to say, I am the good shepherd. In John chapter 11, Jesus declared, I am the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. However, here in the text before us, The same Jesus that we read of broadening the bread is the same Jesus that would go on to say in verse number 35 of this very chapter, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst again. That's why I say again this morning, there is something the Lord would have both you and I to see here within the first few verses of John chapter number 6. I submit to you this Lord's Day morning, ladies and gentlemen, these verses of Scripture not only teach us the purpose of reaching the world with the gospel or with the bread of life, but they teach us beyond a shadow of a doubt God's plan to do so as well. And therefore, for the next very few moments... I want to invite you to consider just a few truths directly from this, the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, as well as from a few other accounts of the same story throughout the Gospels of the New Testament of our Bibles. First of all, when I look into this story, I see, number one, the problem. Now, according to the context of John's writing at this point, the Lord Jesus has gone over the Sea of Galilee and a great multitude has followed Him. Later on, in verse number 10, we are told that the men that were there that day numbered 5,000. And of course, we know from studying our Bible, specifically by digging into Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 21, that number did not include women and children. And therefore, we must understand, if we're going to understand the problem, it's quite possible and highly probable that there could have been as many as fifteen to 20,000 people there all together on this one day. Amen. Now, brother, surely you would agree with me when I say, uh, that's, a lot of, yeah, that's a lot of people. Yeah. And when you study the Bible, you'll discover that the large number of people was only a portion of the problem. In fact, when you study your Bible, you discover that the problem was actually a three-fold problem. First of all, according to the Bible, the period is late. It's getting late in the day. We know from studying Matthew's account of this story, Matthew chapter 14 and verse 15, the Bible says, and when it was evening. And so the problem here is the sun is going down. Darkness is looming. The period is late. If the Lord Jesus and His disciples are going to do anything at all to feed this multitude, they're going to have to move quickly because time is of the essence. The period is late. Secondly, the place is desolate. According to Matthew chapter 14 and verse 15, the disciples say to the Lord Jesus, Lord, this is a desert place. That is to say, the place itself offers the people nothing they needed to sustain themselves. The place is desolate. And if that wasn't enough, there's a third problem. That 15 to 20,000 people, the people are hungry. It's supper time. The people have been so preoccupied with staying with Jesus, they had completely lost sight of the fact that they needed food to sustain themselves physically. The people are hungry. Oh, and as we consider the threefold problem here in the text before us, I believe as God opens our eyes of faith and allows us to make application, we can see the threefold problem in our world in light of the need to reach the world with the gospel. Let me remind you this morning, Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove, North Carolina, the period is late. What we do for the Lord Jesus Christ, are you listening? We best get busy doing it. Do you remember the words of our Savior in the Gospel of John chapter 9 and verse 4 when He declared, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Can I say to this wonderful church family, I know your preacher would want me to bear down here and say it without apology. What you do as a church to impact this world for Christ, you best get busy doing it. Darkness is looming. The period is late. And boy, what about this place in which we're living? Is it not desolate The world in which we are living is a spiritually desolate place. There is, dear friend, no lasting sustenance here. That is exactly why Jesus said in verse 27 of the very chapter that I've been blessed to read from this morning, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For Him hath called the Father sealed. How many of you would say amen to the fact when I say this world is built upon things that are temporal at best? It's built upon temporal as opposed to the eternal things of God. Oh, this place in which we are living. If you would but open your eyes of faith and see through the truths of the word of God, you would know and be aware of the fact that this world is a spiritually desolate place. The place is desolate. And I want you to know God sent me here to tell you the people are hungry. And I I, I know, I can only imagine what some of you are thinking. Come on, preacher. The world doesn't look hungry to me. In fact, it looks to me like the world is indulging in sin. And friends, certainly I would agree with that. But have you ever taken a moment to ask yourself why? How many of you know that for every eternal morsel of heaven's bread our Heavenly Father offers, the enemy always has a substitute. And the enemy knows this morning, Brother Ricky, that he can't dispose of heaven's bread, and so he's out to delude it by offering the world a substitute. And this world in which we are living, most of the 7 billion people that make it up have never heard of heaven's bread. They have tried to satisfy that deep longing in their eternal souls for eternal things with the temporary things of this world. That's why the drunkard has got to have another drink. That's why the druggie He or she has to have another drug. The people are hungry and they're continuously trying to satisfy that spiritual longing, the spiritual hunger of their soul with the temporary things of this world as opposed to the eternal things of God. That's why you and I must offer them the latter of the two, the eternal things of God. The world needs the gospel. The world needs He that said, I am the bread of heaven. The people are hungry. And so, Brother Ricky, there's a threefold problem here. Do you see the problem? The period is late. The place is desolate. The people are hungry. Now, according to the text, the threefold problem ultimately resulted in a proclamation. Do you remember the disciples' proclamation concerning the problem? Now, remember, there are fifteen to 20,000 people that are hungry. The hour is late. They're in a desolate place. According to Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 15, the disciples respond to the problem by telling the Lord, Lord, the period is late, the place is desolate, the people are hungry. Send, do you remember what they said? Send them away. That was the proclamation that the disciples made in light of the threefold problem. Lord, there is an overabundance of need and an underabundance of supply. Lord, the demand far exceeds the supply. Send them away. The disciples' proclamation in light of the threefold problem, the same proclamation, ladies and gentlemen, that so many of God's children make today when it comes to world evangelism. Lord, you have commanded us to reach the world with the gospel in mark sixteen and fifteen we don 't deny that you said before you ascended back to your throne in glory, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature lord we 're not, not denying that whatsoever, but Lord, we want you to know the demand exceeds the supply, Lord, surely you understand you 're not asking the fifteen to twenty thousand to feed the twelve disciples. You're asking the 12 disciples to feed the fifteen to 20,000. Lord, that makes us feel very uncomfortable. Send them away. Can I ask you this question? Why is it that the great Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove, North Carolina is the exception today as opposed to the rule? Why does not ever church have a vision like this church has to reach the world with the gospel. Why doesn't every church run a bus? Why doesn't every church go soul winning? Uh, Why is Calvary Baptist Church the exception as opposed to the rule? I know some of you may not realize this because you are here as you should be here if you remember this church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But take it from a preacher that's in a different church every single week of his life Calvary Baptist Church is the exception. If every local church was a Calvary Baptist Church, Brother Bridges, I'm convinced we could turn this world upside down for Jesus. But whereas you wonderful people say, Hey, preacher, we'll give to missions. Hey, preacher, we'll knock on a door. Hey preacher, I'll give up three or four extra hours on my Sunday to run an old bus route in this community. Hey, whereas this church has ample amount of people that's willing to say, hey, uh, we can take what we have been given and do what we can to reach the world with the gospel. Most churches today say, send them away. Lord, we've got Uh, We've got other things to do with our finances that's in the treasury. Lord, send them away. Lord, you expect me to be a soul winner? Lord, you expect me to take the gospel tracts and distribute to my family at the next family reunion? Uh, Lord, that makes them uncomfortable. And therefore, I don't want to offend them. It makes me very uncomfortable. You know what we're saying when we give the Lord excuses like that? We're saying what the disciples said, brother, in John chapter 6 when they proclaimed to the Lord Jesus, in light of the great need, send them away. The proclamation in light of the threefold problem, send them away. But the story doesn't end with the proclamation of the disciples. I submit to you that God, thirdly, had a plan. God had a plan in light of the threefold problem. And brother, it's the plan that I want to zero in on for the next very few moments because it's the same plan that God has to reach a lost and dying world with the gospel. I want you to know God has a plan. God has a plan for Calvary Baptist Church of Union Grove, North Carolina to reach Union Grove, North Carolina and beyond with the gospel. God has a plan. for his disciples today and that plan in light of the threefold problem brother is revealed right here in John chapter 6. There is a missions message in the meal for the multitude and so let's address this question in the next very few minutes. What's involved in that plan? If we're going to reach our community, if we're going to reach our lost loved ones, if we're going to reach the world with the gospel, what is involved in God's plan to feed the multitudes with heaven's bread? First of all, God's plan involves a lad. Do you see it in the text? Look at verse 8. John chapter 6 and verse 8 says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith to him, Lord, there is a lad here. In light of the threefold problem, Lord, there is a lad here. God's plan involves a lad. Now let me call your attention, if I may, quickly to what the Bible doesn't say about this lad. How many of you know there is a wonderful message many times in what the Bible doesn't say? The Bible doesn't say that this lad is a smart lad. No, he's just a lad. He might have been smart, but the Bible doesn't say it. We don't know that he's smart because the Bible doesn't say this is a smart lad. Aren't you thankful the Bible doesn't say that this is a strong lad. Oh, he could have been strong, I don't know. But he could have been weak. The Bible doesn't say, Lord, there is a strong lad here. Hey, Brother Bridges, I'm tremendously grateful. I am tremendously thankful that the Bible doesn't say, Lord, there is a really good-looking lad here. Because it isn't just good-looking people that God can use to reach others with the gospel. Boy, some of you need to say amen right there. Lord, there is a lad here. Isn't it amazing before you or I either one read about the mighty miracle of Jesus feeding the multitude, you read about one small, young, insignificant, at least in the eyes of men, lad being willing to give what he had in order to make a difference in the lives of others. Can I call your attention to the fact God wasn't interested in what the lad did not have? (laughs) He's interested in what he had. And did you know that same could be said of our lives today? God wants to use you. God wants to use me. And therefore, I can say, Brother Ricky, and be biblically correct in saying it, Lord when it comes to world evangelism, when it comes to reaching Union Grove, North Carolina with the gospel. There is a lad here. Not necessarily a strong or a smart or a good-looking lad, but Lord, there is a lad here. Can I say this and I'm moving? God isn't looking for capability. God is looking for availability. And if you make your... I felt Jesus on that. I think I'll back up to that same spot and say it again. God isn't looking for capability. God is looking for availability. And if you and I would make ourselves available, if we would say with our lips and with our lives, Lord, there is a lad here. He will make you and I capable of reaching other people with the gospel. God's plan includes... A lad. God's plan includes a lunch. Andrew tells the Lord in verse 9 of our text there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. Do you see the lunch? God wants to use this lunch. There's something about this lunch. Do you see the loaves? Not just any loaves. But the Bible goes the great lengths to teach us. These, these loaves are barley loaves. Barley loaves were given to feed the poor. Barley was used in John's day many times to feed the animals. Not just any loaves, barley loaves. And by the way, Not two big whoppers of a fish. Not the kind of fish you and I talk about we caught when we go fishing when actually we know we need to go to the altar and repent. No, no. There's something about these fish God would have both you and I to see. What is it that God tells us about these fish? Well, they're just small fish. Just small. But how many times when you read your Bible from cover to cover... do you read of our great Heavenly Father... using small things to produce large results? In Exodus chapter 2, God used the tears of a little baby... to move the heart of Pharaoh's daughter. And In the New Testament of the Bible, God uses a rooster to bring Peter under conviction. God used a stick in the hand of a man of God by the name of Moses... When God parted the Red Sea God used a stone and a sling in the hand of a little shepherd boy who was the least of his father's household no doubt to remove a great big giant God used a starving widow to speak to a man of God by the name of Elijah God used little bread honey wafers from heaven that God called manna to feed and to speak to two million of his own people in the wilderness. It's no wonder the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10, for who hath despised the day of small things. There's something special about this lunch. Five barley loaves. Two small fishes. God's plan has always included a lunch. And can I tell you before I move on this morning listen to me God wants your lunch. Lots of preaching right here. This should be a series of messages, but since I only have a few moments now, if we're gonna beat the Methodists to the buffet, (laughs) I will say this God wants to use your lunch. Would you give him your lunch? Would you give him your talents? as little and as insignificant as they may seem in the eyes of men, would you give him your talents? Would you give him your ability? If you can carry a tune in the bucket, would you surrender your will to the will of your heavenly Father and get up here in this choir the next time Pastor Pope gives you an opportunity to sing for God's honor and God's glory? Some of you could work on the bus route. Some of you could help in children's church. You know what God wants this morning? He wants your barley loaves, and He wants your small fishes. God's plan includes a lunch. And then, of course, we know God's plan included the Lord. Because, you see, we not only witnessed the Lord blessing the bread, John 6 verse 11, we also witnessed the Lord breaking the bread and also broadening the bread. I submit to you, nobody, and I do mean nobody but God manifested in the flesh could have taken such small things, insignificant things, and turned them into so much. But God is able to do such things. God's plan includes the Lord. We can't do it without the Lord. However, it's vitally important that you and I also realize that God will do the work of reaching others with the gospel through each and every one of us. Can I prove it to you? Right here in the text, the Bible teaches us that God's plan not only includes a lad, a lunch, and the Lord, but God's plan has always included the layman. John chapter 6 and verse 11 says, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, watch your Bible, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. God wanted to use His disciples to distribute what the people needed. And He certainly did. And brother, that says a whole lot. Can I tell you why? Here's why. Because at this point, these disciples were failing men. They were faithless men and they were certainly thoughtful men. You know how we can know that? You remember their proclamation, don't you? Send them away. Uh, Lord, the demand exceeds the supply. Send them away. Their faith was lacking at this point. But isn't it amazing, Brother Bridges? God wanted to use faithless, thoughtful, failing men. (laughs) I don't know about you, Brother Ricky, but that helps me. And the reason it helps me is because more times than not, that's exactly who I am. Without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. The dear brother that sung the special reminded us of that just a few moments ago when he quoted Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. And so these men at this point, they had failed the Lord by saying, send them away. But in the next few verses of Scripture... We read of Jesus taking the bread, blessing it, breaking it, and broadening it through the ministry of His disciples. God isn't looking for perfection this morning. If that was the case, nobody could serve Him. You just make yourself available to be a distributor of heaven's bread. God's plan includes the layman, and finally this morning. God's plan has always included the leftovers. And the reason that I say that is because after the Lord had blessed the meal, He broke it and again He broadened it. Our text says in verse 12, When they were filled... He said unto His disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, watch your Bible now, that nothing be lost. And therefore, they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above. Unto them they had eaten. Now, how many of you would agree when I would say, that's a pretty good return on this little lad's investment? Amen? My friend... My hero, my mentor, Dr. Stenet Blue, used to say, God took this little lad with a little lunch, fed a large multitude to the point that they had a whole lot of leftovers. Twelve baskets, one basket for every doubting disciple. One basket for every tribe of the nation of Israel. Gather up the fragments that nothing be lost. Jesus said, and here's why I believe He said it. Because in the month of June in the year of 1974, there's a little boy by the name of Scott Caudle. Come on. And he's going to need the bread of heaven. So I want you to gather up those fragments because I want the whole world to know, in fact, I'm going to forever preserve this story in my inspired, inerrant, infallible, impeccable, indestructible word so the world will know. He that is hungry for the bread of life, there's plenty to go around. There's bread at God's table. There is a place this morning for you, dear sinner friend, if you realize your need of a Savior and turn from your sin to the Savior before it is eternally too late, there is a place at God's table for you. God's plan has always, it has always included the leftovers. You've listened so well. Would you bow your head with me?